Welcome to Igniting Your Faith. Today, Pastor Fisher reminds us to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, who is the only true answer and love for all of us. We encourage you to thoughtfully and prayerfully let God's love make an impact in your life. Now here is Dr. Chris Fisher with today's message of powerful truth from God's Word. Well, I'm going to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 10. As we look at the passage that Nancy read, uh, this is really a watershed moment in the life of the early church when the gospel went to the Gentiles for the first time. And I think there's some wonderful lessons for us in how to share the gospel. Uh, at this point in the early church, the apostles have been established as the pillars of the church with Christ as the cornerstone, and the church is spreading. The gospel is spreading, including in Samaria, but it is still primarily among the Jewish people. In chapter 9, Paul has his amazing encounter with the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he's converted from persecutor to follower of Jesus. And we'll come back to him another time. But by the end of chapter 9, it's describing Peter being called to Joppa to pray for Tabitha. And we looked at her healing uh, in a previous week. And he ends up staying there in Joppa to minister for a while. And that's where we take up the story in Acts 10 today. Peter's in Joppa, and something happens in Caesarea, uh, another town not too far away. You see, in the meantime... God was working in the life of a devout Roman soldier, a centurion named Cornelius. Roman, not Jewish. Not Samaritan, not mixed blood, purely a foreigner. And the Romans were about as foreign in the Jewish mind as you could get. Remember, they're the conquering people. They're the oppressor. They're like, um, well, I won't get too modern. You can fill in the blanks in your head. <laughs> And they're really regarded as the enemy. And here, he's the captain, actually, of an, the, uh, the Italian regiment. So this is a, a homeboy of homeboys for the Romans. And he and his family, it says, were devout and God-fearing. And he gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. So even though he was not Jewish, he believed in God. And he tried to pattern his life about what he knew about God. And the, the, later on, we learned that uh, the Jewish people in that town, when Peter came, they told Peter, you should help him because he blesses our people. He is really good to us. And so that's the kind of man he was, even though he was not uh, among Israel. He was not from God's people. He worshiped God, and so did everyone else who lived in his house. And as he was praying one afternoon, in other words, he was the kind of man whose faith influenced his whole family. And not just his family, the servants in the house. And from that list, at least one of the soldiers in his command. And as he was praying one afternoon, about three, Cornelius had a vision. So he was faithful in his prayers. They weren't through the name of Jesus yet. You know, they were like Jews in the Old Covenant, praying to God, hoping God would hear, wondering about the state of sin. How's God dealing with that? Is He listening? Am I estranged? But He's real, and I know He is, and I'm looking for Him. I'm seeking Him. And He was praying. 
that afternoon when he had a vision. And he saw an angel from God who came and called him by name. And Cornelius was shocked. You can imagine it. Put yourself in his shoes. <laughs> who are you? You know, I'm a bit overwhelmed here. What is it, Lord? He calls him Lord. He, it, to him, he, it, it looks like a divine being. He doesn't really know all the ins and outs of angels and God's visits. And the angel answered him, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who's called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. And then the angel left. And after he left, Cornelius called in two of his servants along with God-fearing soldiers. That God-fearing soldier I mentioned. And after explaining everything to them, he sent them off to Joppa to find Peter. Now Joppa is about 40 miles from Caesarea. It's an overnight journey to get there. And so they stopped somewhere along the way. And uh, the next morning they resumed their journey. And that next day, God in the meantime is, was also working on Peter. The next day, Peter was praying up on the roof of Simon the Tanner's house where he'd been staying since coming to Joppa. Lunch was being prepared, and Peter became very hungry while he was praying. Maybe the smell was coming up. and Who knows what they were making? But And then he fell asleep in that state of hunger and prayer. And by the way, um, if you're praying sometimes, including that hour when some of you come in here, and you pray for an hour, and you're not necessarily sure what to say for the whole hour. If you fall asleep, it's okay. <laughs> I speak from experience. <laughs> but here's the neat thing. God, in the midst of that sleep, uses that moment because it's while he's asleep that he has this vision. A sheet is lowered in his vision while he's sleeping. A sheet from heaven with all kinds of animals, snakes, and birds in it, both clean and unclean. And a voice said, Peter, get up, kill these and eat them. Now, as you may know, Jews are only allowed to eat clean animals. And so there's things like snakes are excluded, birds of prey are excluded, uh, things from the ocean that don't have scales are excluded, uh, pork and anything from pigs is excluded, and uh, from uh, predators and, and even from rabbits. There's a whole bunch of things that are excluded that are considered unclean. And these animals are all in this sheet. And the voice from heaven is saying, Peter, kill these and eat them. And what's his response? No way, Lord. Lord, I can't do that. I've never eaten anything that's unclean. And the voice answered, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times in this vision while he's asleep. Three times, which is... When you see something repeated three times, God's really trying to get your attention. When Jesus will teach something three times, you know, he's trying to get your attention. Something's echoed or repeated three times. God is really emphasizing this. Three exclamation marks. Pay attention. It happened three times before the sheet was taken back to heaven and Peter woke up. And he's still wondering what it meant when the Holy Spirit told him, three men are looking for you. Hurry down and go with them. Don't worry. I sent them. So the Lord was speaking, the Holy Spirit, right there in his head as he woke up from that dream, fresh in his head, that vision, that strong, repeated vision. 
And the Holy Spirit told him, there's three men downstairs. Go with them. Hurry up. Don't worry about it. When you find out who they are, I sent them. I'm in this. The men sent by Cornelius were already at the gate asking for him when he came downstairs. And they explained what they wanted. We've come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who's respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Now, Peter invited them to spend the night, and the next day they set off together along with several brothers from Joppa. Holy Spirit told me to go. I'm going. Cornelius is a centurion. I'm going. And so when he gets there, when they arrived, Cornelius greeted Peter by falling on the ground to worship him. And see, remember, Cornelius doesn't have all this figured out about who's who in the spiritual domain. But Peter was quick to put a stop to that. Stand up. I'm just a human being like you. And so they went together into the house where many people were gathered to hear from Peter. Cornelius has had several days to prepare for this, and they're all terribly excited. Cornelius has seen an angel, and the angel has told this man to come and tell us something. We want to hear what that is. People don't get angelic visits that are visible very often. I think probably people get angelic visits that are not visible regularly. But visible ones? Not so often. And all the members of the household are there, men, women, servants, probably children, at least one God-fearing soldier, and possibly more from the Italian regiment. And Peter makes an opening comment about how Jews are not allowed to associate with Gentiles. Now, you know that we Jews are not allowed to associate with you. But then he qualifies it with the vision He's just had. God's been connecting the dots in his head between what he saw about food and God saying, if I've declared it clean, it's clean. And these people he's now with. God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. And then Cornelius tells the vision of the angel again and asks Peter to explain whatever it is He has to tell them. And then Peter answers, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And here, listen to what he says. Then Peter began to speak. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what's happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. In other words, what's, they know about Jesus. See, he was such a famous rabbi, and the things that happened to him were so spectacular that he did, and then his uh, um, startling crucifixion, horrifying and astonishing, and then all the, the, the account of his being raised from the dead. This would have reached all through uh, Judea in that region. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth of the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. 
We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Now you can imagine they're hanging on his every word. Yes, 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 we, we know about that. And yes, we've heard he's risen from the dead, and if he's conquered death, that would make sense that he'd be judge of the living and the dead. And then listen to what he says next. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Hear it again. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. You see, at that point, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. You know, that same message is still saving souls from every nation to this day. The good news that Jesus is Lord, that he is the judge of the living and the dead, and that everybody who believes in him finds forgiveness of sins in his name. When Peter and all the believers saw the household filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter said, surely no one can stop us from baptizing them. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have, and they were all baptized then in the name of Jesus. Now, you could, you, you could see it like this. Remember on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, and he filled all the believers, and they were overflowing with joy, ecstatic. And then they started speaking in tongues, praising God in all these different languages. That's what's happened inside the household of Cornelius, right there. And so these guys who witnessed it on Pentecost, they're now seeing it there, and they recognize the Holy Spirit's come on these Gentiles. The word of God, the salvation of God, the good news about Jesus is not just for us, it's about them too. And that's why Peter instantly baptizes all of them. You know, there's uh, some people wonder why we baptize infants in the United Methodist Church and in the Methodist tradition. In fact, many Christian traditions baptize infants. And this is one of the reasons. It's because we don't, it says Cornelius and his whole household believed and were baptized. And we can imagine that there might have been some nursing mothers in there. There might have been some young children. There might have been some older children. They all heard the good news. They all believed. And the ones who weren't big enough in their heads yet to grasp it all, they were in the grace of God. Jesus' sacrifice is for everybody. Little, tiny, bigger, older. And so that's one of the reasons that we are willing to baptize infants in our tradition. There's nothing in the scripture that explicitly forbids it. Even though I get that the symbolism of an adult baptism and the understanding of who Jesus is is vital for our salvation. At some point, you must choose him personally. 
You can't just say, well, I was baptized as a kid. That's good enough. Some, at some point in life, you have to receive Jesus for yourself, and you have to make a commitment to him to receive him as Lord and Savior. You have to take that step of faith that your parents took for you when you were little, if you were baptized as, as an infant. And so we always go through confirmation with our young people who've been baptized as infants. So they get a chance to make a personal decision for Christ for themselves, owning their baptism. But this household right here is part of the story of why our tradition baptizes infants. Uh, I don't want to uh, spend more time on that because I know that's a, a long conversation, but that just gives you some background on that. Now, let's consider some highlights from this passage, thinking about our mission to share the good news about Jesus with others today. And that's really where I want you to come out, where I want you to go from here with these insights. First, God was at work in Cornelius's life before the messenger of the gospel ever got there. I just want you to recognize that. That man was seeking God. He was not fully connected to God yet, but God knew he was seeking him, and God was pleased with that. He was seeking God. And we can count on God doing the same today, seeing those people who are ready for him, who are looking for him, at work in them, preparing their hearts for the good news, even sending angels to them to help them get ready for the message. God sees when people are trying to find him and to live right. And those things are they're not enough to save us in and of themselves, but they are nevertheless pleasing to God. It said Cornelius's offerings to the poor and the needy came up as a memorial offering to the Lord. God was pleased with those. Now, Cornelius was seeking God, helping God's people in his area, and praying regularly. Many a soul who does not know Jesus, did not know Jesus, has found salvation after they began to seek God by trying to do right, trying to make amends in their life, studying the Bible, and praying. And God has opened their minds to understand the gospel, and they've received Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. You know, that's still happening today. Second, and I want you to put that in perspective for the people that you might be led to share the gospel with, is to know, and, and as we see how God has led Peter to share with Cornelius, it's to know that God was working there before you ever got there. You just need to know that. You're not going in there on your own. You're not going in there without God having prepared the way. You know, so many times we're afraid to share the good news with somebody who's really hurting and eagerly seeking God and just ready and primed to hear the good news. But we hold back because we're afraid God might not be in it or they might reject us or something that we have to say might be uh, unpopular with them or countercultural. Let me tell you, when, when the good news came into uh, Israel and later to the Gentiles, like the Romans, it was super countercultural. But God was nevertheless preparing people, getting them ready calling them, His Holy Spirit working them, sending the angels to help them so that when Peter got there, God was already had already prepared the way. And He will do the same for you. 
He will do the same for you. God is calling people right here in Schuylkill County. He's preparing them, getting their hearts ready, softening them up, making them hungry for God, putting prayers in their mouths. They're, they're seeking Him. They're talking to Him. They're asking for Him. They don't know Him yet. They haven't found Jesus as Savior yet. But they're God-fearing in the sense they care about God. They want to find Him. So when you go out there, you're not just going out there into a field that's totally covered with stones and there's no point in even planting seeds. God's already been at work in the field. Second, Peter. Peter was praying when he got his world-changing vision of the sheet from heaven. And it really was world-changing. He was praying on the roof, hungry and waiting for lunch, falling asleep in the midst of his prayers, but he was praying. And God met him there, prepared his heart even in his sleep for the next phase of the mission and sent him on his way. And here's what it says. The Holy Spirit directed it. The Holy Spirit told him what to do. The Spirit said, Simon, three men. Look at, listen to verse 19 and 20 again. Simon, three men are looking for you, the Spirit said. Go get up. Go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. See, the Spirit can direct you too. Prayer is what puts us in the state to hear and respond to what the Spirit says. I love the fact that Peter wrestled with this vision. It went against the grain of his cultural and religious upbringing. He'd never eaten non-kosher food, and pretty obviously he'd not spent much time or visited with Romans and Gentiles before. Remember what Jesus said, my mission was to the lost house of Israel. And so he prepared his apostles in that venue, that, that environment, but not with the end goal of staying there. That's so why at the end of Matthew, it's recorded when he gave the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all nations, teaching them to do everything I've commanded you, and I'll be with you baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'll be with you to the end of the age. So it was always his intention that the gospel go to the whole world. But while he did his mission, he focused inside Israel. And so the, the apostles were not used to this. God had to really break open their little safe cultural box so they'd go outside to other people who God was working in their lives people who the Jews had said were unclean. We don't associate with them. They do all kinds of pagan practices. We don't get near them. And that whole thing out of Peter's normal experience, but God preparing him with the vision. Don't call unclean. What I've said is clean. Third, the heart of the gospel is, always will be, has and remains the saving power of Jesus Christ. He's the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. He's the one through whom forgiveness of sins comes. There's no other name under heaven that we can be saved by. It was after Cornelius and his household heard those words that the Holy Spirit came on them. Whoever believes in his name finds forgiveness of his sins through him. And the Holy Spirit came in that same dramatic and wonderful way He had come on the believers at Pentecost. You see, we don't have to change people's minds or get them converted. Right? All we need to do is present the message. 
The same message. Now, there's some things sometimes we need to do that are almost like pre-evangelism. People have questions they need to get out of the way sometimes. We've been going through an interesting series downstairs from Lee Strobel on the case for faith. And one of those big questions is the problem of evil. A lot of people stumble over that. Why is there evil in the world? How can a good God allow that? And uh, some great answers, great answers. I, I'm not going to try and solve that one for you here this morning. That's a sermon for another day. But sometimes people need to get those questions answered before they can really hear the good news about Jesus. One of those pieces being God took evil on himself in Jesus. So its power over us could come to an end. There's no better answer in the whole world for the problem of evil. There's no better. There's no other fulfilling answer to the, the terrible suffering we see in the world, even today, as war has risen its head again. You know, uh, as the violence in Texas, little children slaughtered. Where in the world is God? God is hanging on the cross, suffering with us. He was willing to die, God himself to die, to put an end to the power of Satan over human beings. Because believe me, it was not the Holy Spirit that drove that young man to do what he did in that classroom in Texas. That was the devil in all his works as a murderer, liar, and destroyer doing what he could and can to ruin us. And what does it say about Jesus? That he came around setting free all who are under the power, healing them, all who are under the power of the devil. And finally, taking the devil's worst on himself on the cross so that we could really be healed forever and live forever. See, we don't have to. All we got to do is present that message. God does the preparing, the convicting, the converting. Peter offered the news. He just they, he didn't say, well, okay, you know, here's what you have to do, 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 do. He just said the news and, and they believed. And as soon as they believed and heard the fullness of the gospel, that's when the Holy Spirit came upon them and filled them. My sins are forgiven. You can bet that Cornelius had a whole list of sins in his head that the devil was throwing at him. You did this. Well, you know you broke this piece of the law that the Jews talk about. You know that that was wrong. You did this, this, and this. And he knew that even though he wanted to find God and he believed in God and he wanted God's blessing, that he had a mess in his heart. Anybody who takes a true reckoning of their heart discovers, you know what, I got problems in my heart. There are things in me that are not according to the will of God. And when I look at myself, I know it. It's when he heard that wonderful news, whoever believes in Jesus is forgiven, that the Holy Spirit fell on them. The whole house. That they all became united to God. The sins taken out of the way, restored to the presence of God, filled with his presence empowered to live for God from then on, a root and now in the Gentiles of a, a whole new part of the body of Christ. God does the preparing, the convicting, and the converting. Of course, we have our, our place in it. We have to choose to respond, to receive, to accept, to surrender. The fourth thing I want you to notice, and, and last point, God orchestrated this episode because he was preparing the young church to take the gospel to all the nations. The good news about Jesus Christ is for the whole world. 
In fact, this expansion of God's grace was out of the normative experience of those first Jewish believers. Chapter 11 describes what happened when Peter reported back to the Jewish church in Jerusalem. When they heard that Peter had been visiting with Gentiles, they were very concerned. What? You were over there with them? Yeah. Who's the them in, in today's culture, in your life, or in your family's life, or, and you're like, oh, this is my safe group. Who's the them? But when they whole, heard the whole story, how God prepared Peter, helped him overcome a major block in his own heart to that kind of sharing and understanding that God can make anybody clean. And if God declares them clean, who are you to declare them unclean? And how the Holy Spirit fell on them the same way He had on all this Jerusalem church, the Holy Spirit. Then they praised God and they said, so then, even the Gentiles, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. You know, within a short time, the believers scattered because of the persecution after Stephen. They began to take the gospel to the Gentiles. It says, beginning in Antioch. And the Gentiles received it with great joy. And Barnabas and Paul became teachers in Antioch. And the church there helped prepare them for their gospel mission to the Gentiles later. So in conclusion here this morning, God is still orchestrating the salvation of unreached people. And He wants to do it with you and me right here in our own backyard or wherever it is you live. Maybe you live in Las Vegas. <laughs> He's already at work preparing people for Himself for the good news about Jesus. You don't have to be afraid. In fact, we need to kick fear out and pray for boldness and courage to share it, and discernment. He asks us to pray so we're ready, so we get our directions from the Holy Spirit, so we know who He wants us to go to and what to say to them. Believe me, for Peter to go to that Roman centurion was overcoming all kinds of cultural and personal fears and blocks. And the Holy Spirit said, don't be afraid to go with them. I sent them. To you. The same Holy Spirit is with us, brothers and sisters. The acts of the early church are not supposed to stop at the end of chapter 28. They continue through us. The Holy Spirit will do His part, confirming the good news in the hearts of those who receive Him. And He asks us to do our part, to pray, to get ready, to ask, Lord, who do you want me to go to? Who are you preparing and, and, and then send me and give me the word to say? You know, Peter's message to them that day wasn't that long. It was like three paragraphs. You can, you know, you, you know the gospel well enough to share three paragraphs with somebody. God was already working there. So I, I just want to uh, praise God for this story and uh, lay it before us as our call, our challenge, also our help to understand how God is still preparing hearts today, preparing them to receive Him, preparing them to go for Him, preparing to spread the love of Jesus among new people.
So let's take these as part of our marching orders going forward. Let's be in regular prayer. Maybe you're still actually in the place of Cornelius, seeking God, but haven't really fully found Him yet. You kind of have the, the weight of sin still burdening you down, and you're wondering, am I forgiven? Is my, con my conscience is still not clear. I feel bad about things. Am I forgiven? How can I know I'm forgiven? Put your faith in Jesus today. Surrender to Him. Receive Him. Everybody who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins. All you have to do is repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for those. I don't want them in my life anymore. I'm changing my mind, turning away from that sin. Maybe you're in the place today that you're wondering, how could I be a, a more effective ambassador for Jesus? It begins with prayer. Prayer is our daily personal conversation with God. It's just it's in our relationship with Him. That God fills us afresh with the Holy Spirit and speaks to us and gives us our directions and directs us on where to go next and who to speak to and even what to say. So let's live into that relationship with God, spending time with Him daily, even falling asleep with Him. And let's see what He does. Amen? Thank you for listening to Igniting Your Faith. Let God's Word empower your life with new growth that encourages everyone you meet. Igniting Your Faith is copyrighted and published by Dr. Chris Fisher and First Church, Schuylkill Haven, Pennsylvania. Special piano music played by Cindy McClelland. You can find more information about Dr. Chris Fisher, this podcast, and the church at our website, havenfirstumc.org. Hope you will join us again next week and let God ignite your faith.